Hello, bienvenidos again to another episode of Latinx Diaries. In today's episode, Comenzando Algo Nuevo, which translates to starting something new, mi amiga Alina and I try to focus on the importance of asking questions and connecting with others when starting a new journey. Throughout the episode, we talk about how we met, pursuing higher education, achieving our passions, career counseling, and more. I hope you enjoy. Welcome. Thank you so much for participating on my podcast, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Hi to everyone listening to Latinx Diaries. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, my name is Alina Quintana. I, dang, who am I, right? Who am I now? I am a graduate student, a um, career development advisor, um, a founder of a company on on Etsy, Instagram, entrepreneur. Uh, so that are those are all of my current identities, and um, I am related to Roxy, or I am uh, connected to Roxy through um, our work, our work that's rooted in social justice, equity, and removing barriers for young people um, and achieving their educational, career, and life goals. So I'm very happy to be here with everyone today to talk about our relationship as, as friends, as, as colegas in this uh, difficult yet very beautiful work that we do through, um, you know, through working with youth and uh, college students, me currently. Yes. So excited. Um, so let's dive into how we met. Yeah. Well, you know, being part of a, a predominantly white or institution of higher education there are just a handful of latinx students that you see around so i would like you know like glance at the brown people on campus so i happened to um, <laughs> see roxy around several times and i think her face became a lot more familiar because i know i we, we may have been at a party together at the same time at my friend eric's house um which was like, I kid you not, Eric, I don't know if you're listening to this, but probably one of the grimiest houses that I've ever been to. Um, but, you know, Roxy knows about that. So, um, yeah, so that's how we, how I first, um, you know, came into knowing of Roxy's existence and, and uh, more officially, as she, she tells the story about us, is going to be through the work that we did working through a college access program um, in SAC. And uh, we officially met at orientation. And I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen you on campus. And she was just like, you know, if you know Roxy, she made a face <laughs> and you probably can imagine her face right now. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, she was a little bit taken back. She's like, you know, like, who is this person? And, and like, just the person who I am. I, I try to engage and connect. And, and um, Roxy is slower to warm up than I am. <laughs> Um, and it took some time getting her to budge and, you know, getting her to, to actually accept me and, and connect with me. But I think, um, I could honestly say that from anybody that, that I used to work with at that organization, she's a person that I've had a continuous, um, you know, ongoing relationship with through our work and through our, you know, just personal life. So, um, I would say that, that's definitely one of the highlights of the work that that I did there. Um, just getting to know her and um, just developing this this um, 
hopefully long, long time relationship with Roxy. Yes, uh, hopefully long time as well. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for sharing your side. Uh, Alina and I both went to UC Davis. And so honestly, like I didn't know about her or who she was um, until we started working for that nonprofit organization and we met during orientation. So yes, I was taken a little aback when she approached me and she was like, yeah, I've seen you before. And I gave her this look like, girl, I have never (laughs) seen you in my life. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and yeah, as most of you know, like I'm a very low key person. So for someone to say like, I've seen you before, I know you, I'm like, mm, how, who talked about me? <laughs> that was my first assumption. Like, uh, does somebody gossip to you and tell you something about me? what did they say? Um, but yes, um, I did give Alina a bit of a hard time. Um, and as she did mention, you know, her personality is very much like, let me connect with you. Let me get to know you. Uh, let me know who you are. And I was very much closed off very much like, I don't want to show you who I am unless I'm going to invest in this relationship long term. So, uh, she did not give up. She was very persistent. And I honestly really (laughs) admire that about her. And I really looked up to her, you know, professionally, she was a really good mentor and she continues to be a friend and a mentor. And I think that that is what, you know, keeps you around, Alina. It's your personality. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's kind of like how we met and how we continue to be friends. I just I love learning new things about you and I like that you randomly check up on me and you don't forget me and I really appreciate that because that's really rare in friendships you know sometimes we don't have to necessarily talk every single day but you know months pass by and sometimes people forget to check in with one another and I feel like you and I kind of have a good balance Um, even if we're just sending positive vibes to each other or just you know thinking of you texts I love those those are awesome Um, and I think that that's what really keeps our relationship strong I definitely agree with that. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you're currently doing? Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to share a little bit about that. I really want to talk about like my work in in um, higher education and, and college preparatory work um, because I think that without that work, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, for those of you that are listening, um, you may have your different reasons for for indulging in in Latinx diaries, but uh, some of the things that we want to talk about today is um, newness and and going after things that you're passionate about. And, and I think that that very much um, makes me think of the passion and the drive that motivated me to do a lot of the things that I'm doing today. And um, I've been working in higher education, starting off as a uh, student assistant working at Chicano Chicana Studies at UC Davis. And from that time, like I really um, felt that it was a place for me to be working with, with young people, to be working with, you know, college access programs or any work that's rooted in, in supporting students. And that started off working, um, you know, straight off out of college, working with uh, this this program that Roxy and I uh, worked in, but also like experimenting and and trying out different um, areas within the same work. And for me, I knew I wanted to do work rooted in supporting my community and and, um, making things easier for the next generations of of youth and and college students and high school students. And um, 
you know, as a recent graduate, I worked a lot of like part-time jobs and, and I think in the field of education, that's really common. So if you're in that field and you're having a hard time uh, getting your foot in the door, like, let me tell you, it's so common. It's tough to be in this field and, and, um, and to pave that way uh, for yourself. But um, I did work working with the community college. Um, I did work working with TRIO programs, uh, which is very similar to, you know, other college access programs in California. But um, this is, would be on the federal level working with uh, Sacramento youth. And finally, I just realized that I really like working with college students more than anything, you know. And uh, that's from trial and error, like trying out different work and, and seeing what I loved about it and what I didn't love so much about it um, and really finding my, finding my niche. Um, and that led me to work for, uh, for Sac State. So I currently work at a career center, the Sac State Career Center, and I work with undeclared and expressed interest students, which, you know, if any of y'all know, especially for those of us that have been undeclared or, or been undecided, I mean, I changed my major three times when I was an undergrad and average, at least at our institution is 3.5 times, which, you know, I think across, um, across the United States, that's pretty average. So I work with students that either have no idea what they want to major in or students that are looking to change their major. So that's, you know, very powerful work, power meaning like power and influence and power and and being able to empower other people. And um, I just absolutely love my work, although working in student affairs can be difficult, especially now during the pandemic. Um, I just find it so, so gratifying to know that I have an impact in, in the either like, you know, the, the peace of mind of a student that finds a major an occupation that they're excited about or is able to land a job or, you know, and, and, and that's just like the, the type of work that I really love and uh, working in higher education and working in, in, you know, college preparatory programs really like led me to to that path. And and for those of you that are considering graduate school, which is something that, that Roxy wants me to talk about today, I actually applied to graduate school three times. First time right after undergrad. And that was um, tough, you know, getting a, a rejection letter that like, that no, like we're, we're not able to offer you, um, offer you a slot in our institution and um you know I the second time I got in but I went to this to this orientation I was like I don't know this doesn't feel right so I I dropped the program so um yeah I guess that was my experience until I started my graduate program in, in career counseling uh which I started um in what is it 2019 last year last year was my first year um and being in this program has been so transformational for anyone considering being a counselor or being a mental health provider. One of the biggest, biggest challenges with doing this type of work is, is unlearning, you know, really doing the work to recognize that, uh, that sometimes we don't know everything or sometimes the things that we've learned have not served us. And, you know, this work is about serving others. So a lot of that work is interpersonal. 
trauma can come up and aside from the academic rigor you know it's like all these emotions that are pouring out of you with mandated like hours of therapy that you have to go to so that's been a little bit about that journey and I wonder like what's coming up for you Roxy when you're hearing all of this I know that there are some things that you can relate to Yes. Um, first, I want to say I did not know that you I learned something new about you today. I did not know that you had applied to master school three times. Is it sad that uh, that kind of makes me feel better? <laughs> <laughs> Normalizing it. Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up and saying that because actually this year, um, I decided to apply for master school again, um, and I, too, was rejected the first time around. And you were there when I um, mm-hmm. decided to apply the first time. And, you know, I, I chose not to do it right after college because I was still unsure of exactly what I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so I ended up waiting uh, about two years after I graduated, and then I decided to apply. I mean, I always knew I wanted to get my master's in um social work I didn't really know like what programs and things like that so I'm really thankful for friends like you um people that I know that you know do value higher education and are doing it for the first time and are learning these things and going through trials and errors and trying to find what's the best fit for them because then it helps me to know that I'm not alone and I think that for me personally that's something that I'm going through like that's that's my trauma it's like I'm realizing that for some reason I don't like going through things alone like I like to feel like I can relate to others and I like to feel like okay well if somebody already paved the way then that means that I can do it too I kind of struggle with paving being the first one you know to like make the way for others so yeah I really appreciate you sharing your your passion and your um journey and getting your master's (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's important to talk about, you know, like I know that as a career advisor, I see students that that come to me and and they are coming because they need support with graduate advising. And um, I love having students come to the Career Center because uh, that means that they're they're doing the work to get resources. But I also have students that come to me and I mean, it's it's completely normal that they they do. Um, And they have they come to me and they're like, I want to go to graduate school, but I don't know what I want to study, you know. And, um, you know, everybody has different journeys and I completely respect everybody's journey. But um, I think that that sometimes we need to do the work of of developing that experiential knowledge and and actually being in the field uh, to recognize if it's the right fit for us. You know, Um, something that I hate about higher education is that it's kind of like we're working backwards, right? Like we uh, go into this this degree and we like make this commitment, this big commitment. And, and for some of us, it could, it could also mean like a big financial commitment to um, to this degree. And then later on, and, and you know, this could even apply to undergraduates that they go off to college and, and they, they commit to this, they earn this degree and they go off to the workforce and they realize it's just not the best fit for them. And it's not your fault, you know, this is how the system's set up, but I think that is really powerful to, um, I mean, in my case, I had to, right, because I, I applied to doctoral programs right after undergrad, knowing that I wouldn't get in, because I just wasn't ready to make the commitment for a master's degree, because as a first-generation college graduate, I just, I couldn't commit to paying for a master's degree without having a job, you know, like, yeah. I just wasn't ready to take on the the financial um repercussions of of having greater debt 
ask. And, you know, being that I'm, I'm like the child of uh, the oldest of a single parent household, like I don't have any like capital to fall back on, you know, yeah. I don't have like any support. I mean, my mom like supported me as much as she could, which, you know, that meant like having occasional home cooked meals and maybe paying for my groceries, but nothing was, was, um, nothing was given to me. I, I guess like maybe that's not the best way to put it. I would probably say that I had to work a lot for everything that I've had. And, um, you know, that's kind of the archetype of the first gen experience, you know, like being resilient through adversity, facing setbacks and trying our best to overcome these. And, and when I meet with students that are, are coming and, and seeking graduate advising, but like have no idea, like it's also part of the journey to, to go out and try it, you know, and some of us like apply to graduate school because like, we don't know anything but academia, you know, like, and it gives us comfort to, to apply to these programs. And then we graduate with a master's degree without any experience. Right. So there is power in, in waiting to apply and, and waiting to try something out for that certainty that you're going in the direction of of your life goals your occupational goals and and really doing that work that that brings you satisfaction but also like brings you that monetary uh compensation right like we got to talk about it like finances are so important especially in the helping field like we do not get paid enough for the work that we do and for these degrees that we're paying off but anyway that's that's another podcast episode (laughs) so important like you said to talk about these things and normalize not knowing normalize uh, trying things out and waiting um, to have that certainty and to uh, connect with other people that have had that experience in order to, to get that support because listen guess what like nobody knows that you're going through this unless you speak up and you talk about it right like yes that's that's the thing and this is why like you know, it, it's so important to connect and to seek mentorship and, and to talk to your amigas and your amigos and compañeros about um, of this experience because you never know what insight or what support they can offer. Yes, exactly. And, you know, you said it very well. It's it's a lot of us in the first gen category, you know, that kind of forget that we're going through the same struggles and that we need to be there for one another and that like yeah our backgrounds may look differently but at the end of the day this structure this academic structure is is formatted the same it's us being first gen is another barrier that we have to cross or that we have to overcome because no one before us did it we can't like you mentioned you know you can't go to your mom for your support for support um same I couldn't go to my parents for support and you know that that played a role into me going to others for support and you know I'm really glad that I came across you in my lifetime and that we became friends because you are my one of my support in pursuing higher education and I feel like it's important for others to find their support in their niche as well in order for them to be more resilient in order for them to really achieve what it is that they want to in life. And, you know, I do also want to mention, because I did, I think that you mentioned this earlier too, that, you know, higher education may not be for everyone. It may not be everyone's journey. And like, you know, that's okay for me personally, like it is, um, I do, like you mentioned, I do find comfort in it because it's all I've ever known. It's a structure that (laughs) I love. Like (laughs) I actually like learning 
um, and studying, reading textbooks, articles, all those things. I found love in that and in that structured learning. And, you know, sometimes that's not for everyone. And like, that's okay, too. Um, But I do think that there are some, you know, lessons to be learned through people who are going through um, and trying to achieve higher education that can be applied to those who are not. With that being said, um, I think the correlation would be doing things for the first time. Just in general, anytime somebody is doing something for the first time and they don't really know what they're doing or they don't really know what direction they're going in, um, what motivates them, you know, or what encourages them to start that, that new endeavor, that new passion. Um, so I know that you're doing something new outside of master's school. Yeah, absolutely. I have a few different um, passions. Um, I think something that I really want to highlight is the importance of career counseling. And uh, one of my platforms is uh, Latina Counselor. And I started off Latina Counselor as a way to document my um, my journey through higher education through graduate studies, I think, like, um, from what I remember, like, I think only 3% of Latinas have a master's degree, 3%. So um, I really wanted to do my best to highlight my experience as best as possible and to share my experience as well as some of the things that I've been doing in my work um, as a a career development advisor. Not yet a counselor, but I do a lot of career counseling work. Um, in supporting first-gen students and undecided students and students that are on their journey to finding that um, that perfect, or you know what, no, no, not perfect, that right or best fit job for them right after undergrad or um, folks that are looking for um, a new opportunity. I really wanted to do work in, in career counseling and, and share that with, with the community. And some of the things that have, have been born from that have been, you know, a community of, of individuals that are learning about what it means to be, uh, to become a counselor. And I think that as a person who's been to therapy, who's, uh, you know, benefited from, from uh, career counseling, I never really thought about what the process entailed and it's something that I really want to share with people especially people that are considering being counselors and being in mental health I think um, it's important to to demystify what it means to become a counselor but also to 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 share the challenges you know like this work that that I have to do to become a counselor is difficult work and for anybody that wants to do this work, I just, I really want to, to bring awareness and to just also bring empowerment, right? Like, I think that that's also a key component. Um, so that's one of my projects. Um, I've been able to offer free resume support through workshops and um, I'm going to be planning my next one pretty soon. It hasn't been uh, set in stone because as you know, I'm, I, I, I do take on a lot of projects and this is just one of them aside from uh, a full-time job at, um, at the CSU as well as, um, you know, being a full-time student. Um, and, you know, that that's just something that I really want to do is to support my community and, and um, 
having better lives, I think. And that's something that I'm very passionate about career counseling is that career counseling has the opportunity to um, level the playing field for a lot of students. You know, I think I've seen that only about um, 21% of undergraduates actually engage in career counseling and engage with their career center throughout their undergraduate experience. And to me, that's, that's just, you know, like, that's something that I understand because as an undergrad, I don't think I've ever gone to, to career counseling as an undergrad. Did you ever go to the UC Davis Career, uh, career Center? Nope. Nope, right? Nope, <laughs> nope never. Don't even know and, where it's located. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I, I have no idea where it was located either. And that's something that I really want to change because, I mean, why did you go to college, Roxy? That is a great question. I'm really glad you asked me that. Um, So originally, I went to college because I just knew it was one of the only ways I could actually get away from my home life. And I know that that sounds very uh, like emotionally based. And I didn't really value the journey of education in that way. I kind of more so used it as leverage to uh, get away from my family life, (laughs) from my home life. Mm -hmm. Um, But afterwards, when I was in college, um, I really did kind of, well, I should say my last three years of college, I really did enjoy it and I really did value it and then that's what motivated me to want to you know get my master's one day and that's completely valid you know like everybody has different experiences and I know for me I went to college thinking that I wanted to, to help my family you know like like I mentioned like my family single mom um and my mom like believe it or not y'all like my mom made ends meet with $22,000 a year. I remember seeing her tax returns. Dang. How does she do it? No idea, honestly. And to think that now I make more than twice as much my mom makes, right? And I'm just like, oh, you know, struggling, <laughs> complaining. Um, and I, I, all that to say is that my why, and that's something that I, I connect with my students about, my why was my family. You know, my why was a better life. And um, in the same way, a lot of students go to college, according to some of of the findings and the research, they go to college because they want to have a better job to be able to to have better lifestyles, to, you know, provide for themselves or families, X, Y and Z, you know. And for me, it was to get a job so I can help my family. Right. So. One of the things that I tell students is that a lot of students have that goal for themselves, yet they don't visit the career center, right? Yeah. Guilty. That was me too. (laughs) Um, But as a Latina, as a mujer, I really try to to show and discuss my experience as a first-gen student and and showcase all the resources and all the the great support systems and, and, um, you know, like the staff and mentorship that we have to offer at our particular um, career center. But all that to say, because um, I totally like went on a tangent um, of the why, right? Like, why are we making these decisions is that, you know, students really want to um, find these and set these goals for themselves, but they don't necessarily like know how to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something that I really want to do work to change because the students that are first gen can benefit the most from career services. And what we found is that 
there is true like generational changes when a student earns their bachelor's degree. It totally does. But imagine this, though. Imagine if you go to the career center, you get an internship, you get support. And rather than getting that 50,000 job as an accountant, you end up getting having enough experience to work for Deloitte and making like 80, 90,000 dollars a year. Right. Like that experience is going to change your life. Right. Like and that's something that that career services has found that students that engage with the career center have have better opportunities. But the thing is that, like, a lot of the time that I was at UC Davis, I was just like, dude, like, I, I've got to get my shit together before they find out I'm a fraud. You know, yeah. the, like, poster syndrome that, yes. like, let me, like, let me work super hard because I, what mattered to me was the moment and, and making ends meet and having enough money to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time for internships and I didn't have time to do all this unpaid labor yep. because that just wasn't my reality, mm-hmm. you know, but. But, you know, at least now things have changed and at least at our institution, we're huge advocates of paid internships, you know, <laughs> um, and um, and that has very much changed the, the, the playing field. And we're doing work at our institution to set up um, a fund in order to be able to support undocumented students to have internships and and, you know, and for them to be able to have that same opportunity. We are doing our best to remove barriers. But the thing is that, you know, we, we do need people. Um, to for us to make it here you know like I know my colleague she's um uh, a black woman that's doing all these this wonderful work to like level the playing field and and have money for uh, undocumented students to be able to do this work and and, you know like we got to be in these these places but you know it it does take a lot of work and effort and resilience for us to to get here and, and be advocates and um that's something that I'm very passionate about through Latina Wellness Counselor. I have two uh, different platforms and, and I'll start it off from um, one day I have, well, one day I decided that I wanted to make a, a goal for myself, make a few goals for myself by the time I was 30. And one of the big goals that I have for myself is actually starting a scholarship. In my 30 before 30, um, starting a scholarship is high up there. I don't know if I'll be able to do it by the time I'm 30, but I did start um, like the efforts to start a scholarship through my uh, Latina counselor platform. And I started selling notebooks. I started selling notebooks and um, they say Latina counselor, educated Latina, Latina social worker for now. And, um, you know, because I'm going to be a counselor, I um, know that it's unethical to try to sell to my clients. (laughs) So um, I had to like, I had to be able to distinguish um, my counseling work and and my entrepreneur spirit and my entrepreneur goals and my goals to start a scholarship because, um, you know, um, if you know about the American Counseling Association's ethical guidelines, uh, you're not supposed to be having that type of relationship with your um, with your clients. Um, and although people on my Instagram, I, I don't think I have any of my students on there. Um, well, I don't know really, right? Because I don't follow my <laughs> students on Instagram. Um, I'm not supposed to be selling to them. So I had this crazy idea to um, start another uh, a side hustle to be able to um, kind of branch out and start my scholarship through it as well. And that's Latina Wellness. And um, dang, like, where do I start off about Latina Wellness? Latina Wellness is really like my passion project. Um, like, I love higher education. I love doing counseling work. 
But, like, there's also a part of me that just wants to make money, right? (laughs) And I think it's so important for us to to normalize that, too, right? Like, being women and wanting to have enough money to um, do whatever it is our heart desires, right? Like, um, and I wanted to, to, I have all these goals set for myself, and I also wanted to... um, take a, a wellness approach to it and, and, um, sell my notebooks, um, but also take on a different approach, um, which is to also sell Yoni steams. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Um, but essentially Latina wellness is a platform that I'm using to help, um, all people understand the importance of wellness, uh, through a holistic and a self-healing approach, and essentially assisting folks in creating a healthier lifestyle and, and minimizing overall health-related issues. And you're probably thinking, oh, Alina's not an MD, <laughs> right? But but I, I guess, like, what I would say is that um, from, from research and theories, uh, wellness is very holistic, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's very interconnected to so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's spiritual wellness, that um you know is is directly impacting our like psychological wellness and our cultural wellness and mm-hmm. our occupational wellness yes. i mean you know like working in a hostile environment affects yes. your mental health <laughs> which then affects your your physical health mm-hmm. which then affects your spiritual health so it's all interconnected folks everything is interconnected and through my platform i'm trying to provide products that will assist in healing and one of my products is my 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 journals my notebooks the names are used interchangeably um but I've been trying to refer to them as 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 journals more often than than not today because I really want to to talk about the the power of journaling and, and how that could be used as a tool to reflect and to um to do deep like spiritual emotional um work and to really use it as a way and I know you listen a lot to Brene Brown to um to close that stress cycle right like we have a tough day we um don't have time to work out or to release release it on the page, you know, release your thoughts, your gratitude, like take a moment to think about your day. And like, although it may have been really shitty, like think about three things that made you happy and write them down in your journal and pay attention how your body just like releases that, that like tension Mm -hmm. and takes a moment to acknowledge all of the, the powerful and, um, just I don't know like all of the the things that you should be grateful for um which sometimes we forget you know we're human it's normal you know but but like I said um journaling is just something that I'm a huge advocate for and I wonder if it sounds like you have a similar experience (laughs) yes most definitely so um I uh I purchased a couple of your journals Number one, because yes, I am a huge uh, fanatic of journaling and I also am a strong advocate of like journaling as well. And also, too, I think it's super amazing that you're trying to start a scholarship. So that was like another reason why I prefer to give you my money than to go to Target and buy a journal (laughs) there. Um, because I started journaling, honestly, like that is where this podcast came from. I have been journaling for like the past 
four yeah four years so I'm looking at my journals right now I have one pretty much for every year and it has helped me like it has helped me grow um, mentally has helped me grow spiritually has helped me be more goal-oriented follow through more with my commitments and it has you know taught me to have more gratitude and it has taught me to be kinder to myself it's just Without journaling, you know, it's such a huge part of me. I I wouldn't be who I am today. And I just like I love it because, you know, it really is like your diary. It really is like your innermost thoughts that only you're going to read, only what you really feel. Um, It's a way for you to be honest with yourself if you're not going to be honest with anyone else. Um, And yeah, Mm -hmm. like I I love it. 100% vouch for it. It helps me to relieve my stress it helps me to just be thankful for being alive. <laughs> yes. And I think the, you mentioned a few really key points is that, you know, when you write something down, that dream, that goal becomes a plan. And, um, you know, it just helps you be accountable and to be focused. And and also, like, having those four like those four different, I want to call them episodes of the life of, of Roxy are also a way for you to like, you know, like reflect and, and to look back at those patterns that have served you and also the ones that haven't served you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go back and look at this and and, and tell yourself like, this is a reoccurring issue in my life why (laughs) why is it an issue and then you go to your therapist to to overcome that you know and to learn skills or whatever it may be talk to me about therapy I love therapy um but anyways so going back to to Latina wellness is you know um one of the other items that I am a huge advocate for and that I um, have started um, compiling through um, like my organic products is yoni steams and I wonder if if you know about them um, at all Roxy um so actually no you are the because of you uh you that's what I know what they are I have yet to try it um because I don't I wanted to actually ask you for more information and I thought like this would be the great place to do so um mm-hmm. so yeah I kind of want to know like how did you first hear about it? Um, when did you first try it? What was your experience like? And then what motivated you to kind of pr- produce this and bring it to your community? Or should I talk about what it is first? Yes. What is it? So what are Yoni What steams? is it? What, <laughs> what are Yoni Steams? Okay. So I'm more than happy to start with that. So um, I learned about them from um, a colleague. She was a black woman. I'm telling you, black women, like y'all are my mentors. Y'all are paving the <laughs> way for us. Thank you. Um, and we were talking about um, being sexually active, you know, and, and as a Latina woman, listen, like we don't talk about like sex with older women as much like, like with each other. Like yes. I can't talk to sex with, about my mom. I can't talk to I know my mom about sex. Yeah. I can't talk about sex to like my theas. Like that's yeah. just, you know, at least in my experience, it's not yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but you know, my 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 colega, like we just talked about sex and and you know, she told me that Yoni Steam for something she tried. And what are Yoni Steam? So essentially Yoni Steam is um sitting over a pot of steam herbs in order to allow that steam and the oils from the herbs to really penetrate the tissues of the labia and the vagina. 
that encourages like a natural cleansing or a detox of the area okay and you know you're just like okay but where does this come from and you probably you may have heard of it like it's been popularized a lot in the western world lately but you know capitalism and like (laughs) and and these different things but essentially vaginal steaming has been part of history and practices of many cultures including um you know there's there's this this um this big organization called steamy chick which has like been one of the bigger organizations that do yoni steams in you know the u.s but this has been a practice within um south korea vietnam china indonesia sweden italy germany ghana kenya you know there's all these different places hawaii haiti jamaica like there's so many places folks and you know it's been a practice throughout these different um cultures and it's what's most commonly used uh, across cultures for postpartum care and recovery but what i really want to pace uh, or shed some light in is that it's a ritual you know it's it's been used as a ritual which really allows one to connect with with our vagina which is something that we're taught that is like dirty mm-hmm. that we should ignore it yeah. that we shouldn't ignore Engage with it yeah um and you know that's that's something I mean at least from my experience um being a a Latina with roots uh in Catholicism like let yes. me tell you my grandma's house is right in front of a church um <laughs> and she and that's just how like you know my family has been raised and you know that just hasn't served me um that that cultural practice that is religion just hasn't served me as a as a mujer in the United States yeah. <laughs> that wants to be I agree. that wants to love her body and that wants to love herself you know um this is our vagina is such a huge part of us and we're taught to to not love it to hate it to think it's dirty I mean imagine what that does to you and into your mental health to be raised that way you yeah. know I mean it's it was part of my experience and I mean all I have to say is that it's a practice that just really feels great. Um, it's a form of meditation and self-care. I um, encourage folks that purchase my steams, and I do this myself, is I actually journal. I meditate while I, like, steam, and it's, it's a form of self-care. So um, it's been known to help with, like, maintaining general vaginal health um, and wellness, painful periods, frequent or recurring infections, dryness, missing periods, long cycles, endometriosis, um, you know, PMS, uh, and, for, and, and it helps with fertility as well. So just a few things to know, though, um, that you shouldn't be stimulating your period or during pregnancy, and you should be cautious if you have any infections or if you're wearing an IUD, you should be careful. Well, that's great. Thank you for, you know, sharing that and for sharing your experience. Um, You know, for me, I was raised similarly. I mean, still to this day, talking about sex with my mom, she gets all squeamish. Like, I don't even get squeamish, okay? (laughs) My mother gets squeamish. That just shows how impossible it is to have that conversation. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to, you know, trying the Yoni Steams and you know, going through my own experience in that and hopefully maybe others who are listening to this, it has opened, you know, your curiosity on learning more or wanting to try it or checking it out. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, because you were you were literally the first person that introduced it to me. And this is yeah. the first time that we actually like really talk about it or I guess dive into more details about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think something that I didn't answer that I, I really want to talk about is like the first time I tried it, you know, like um, I I was just really curious about it because of my painful period, my long periods, and it just really changed that for me. Like I, I was hesitant for a long time. I knew about uni steams a lot longer, um, like a lot longer into the process. And I actually like I think I started steaming like a year after I knew about steams. You know, it took me a while because why? Like, I mean, I, my, my colleague told me about it and I was just like, oh, that sounds cool. But I don't know if that's for me. You yeah. Know? And that's another thing of like, you know, um, not engaging with that part of my body, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I don't know, like I, it's just really helped with like, um, it, it's definitely not dry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's just had a, a, a a positive impact on I think like my um my wellness I mean also my my sexual wellness as well with my partner I think it's something that we both enjoy a lot more um with this practice but um more than anything I think like the just the fear of trying something new again yeah. going back to that right the yes. fear of like of, of trying it and I mean what's the worst case that would have happened to me it's like I would have tried it and not liked it yeah I've done it again right yeah <laughs> but but I think I just sat there like wondering like well I don't know should I try this or not try this but there's just like now that I think about it I'm like oh my god Mensa like you would have been like <laughs> reaping the benefits of this for a lot longer than you are or you have but I guess ultimately no regrets it was my journey um and that's what I had to do or I had to experience in order to be here but you know, all that to say is that you never know what what you're going to gain from a new experience. And sometimes it's it's that little voice in your head, that, that negative self-talk that talks you down from trying something new. But um, sometimes there's so much power, there's so much more power in challenging that voice and 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 really like going for something and and you know and and like I said like worst case scenario you just don't do it again yeah but um but yeah I guess you know I'm very satisfied with my outcomes I um my my clients I guess I can call them my clients um I they they really enjoy it and and let me tell you I started off using uh, I I just had ended up having too many steams and I, I was like, oh my gosh, I should have too many herbs. Like I, I should probably get rid of some of these. And I started off by giving them away to my friends. Uh-huh. You know? Roxy and I don't see each other enough <laughs> to, to give in Roxy one. Um, but but like I that's how it started. I like started using them myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, my friends need to try this. Uh-huh. And like I started giving them to my friends. I would just put them in these like super cute containers. And I'm like, hey, look what I got you. And they were like, what is this? But once they tried it, like like I just kept restocking them. I give I kept giving them some more herbs and all my herbs are organic. They're all um, you know, there is a specific they're very they're chosen very intentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the purpose behind what these herbs accomplish in our body, you know? Um, so I started giving them to my friends and today, I mean I, I sell them on Etsy and um, I still give them to my friends, but you know, <laughs> like encourage you all to try it out. I mean, worst case scenario, it's not for you, but best case scenario, you, you reap all these different benefits and you have shorter periods and less painful periods and, and better sex. Yep. That's great. You know, and I think that 
you know, you touched upon a few key um, things that I want to bring back, you know, talking about new experiences. Um, I think overall we can pretty much agree that trying something new can be challenging. I don't like to use the word difficult. It can be challenging because you can overcome challenges um, at first. And I'm really glad that you shared your experience with your friends and you decided to like open it up and then they ended up liking it. And that gave you the idea to, you know, share this with others as well and then make money on the side. Like that's, that's really great. Mm -hmm. You know, you're helping yourself, you're helping your friends, you're helping your community and you're getting financial gain. And that to me is like, awesome something I really admire about you is you've always been very goal oriented so when you set your mind to starting something new pretty much you would accomplish it and you ended up surprising yourself and I mean now you're doing like all these amazing things by starting Latina Counselor and Latina Wellness and that to me is like an inspiration Um, so I'm really glad to be friends with you and I'm really glad for you to be sharing all of this knowledge too with my listeners as well as I myself am, you know, going through this new experience of starting this podcast and I have yet to figure out exactly what it's going to become or exactly what the purpose is of this. Um, I, you know, kind of like talked myself out of this so many times, but one day I was just like, no, I just have to do it. Like if I don't, if I don't jump, if I don't take that leap of faith, you know, like you did, like what's the worst that can happen, right? And Uh so I asked myself, like, the worst that can happen is, like, I end up being the only one that listens. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, even then, that's not the worst case scenario, you know? You never know who you're going to help. Like, I mean, that's how I feel about my Instagram sometimes. I mean, I don't have very many followers, but, you know, I feel like my impact is large, Um, at least in terms of, like, Latina wellness is relatively new, but Latina counselor has been around for about a year. And sometimes I put stuff out and and I think the resource is great, but I get like 10 likes. And I'm like, and then one of them is my partner. Bless his heart. He always <laughs> likes my posts. Moral <laughs> support. Like, That's good though. Like, it's just, you know, one like is cool, you know, but but you never know who you're going to reach. Uh, because I just, I know just recently there was uh, a person that reached out to me on Instagram and they were like, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, I had to drop out of school because I, I didn't have um, the the support to, to be able to pay tuition in, in school and whatever and I'm, I'm going back to school to to finish my undergrad so I can you know be a counselor someday and I'm just like listen the path isn't linear like I'm, I'm yeah. so happy for you I'm so happy this resource is being a, a tool for you and it's helping gain awareness and insight about what it means to be a to become a counselor and um you know like if you need anything reach out and and that's the type of community that it's so important to to reach out to 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 ask for help to ask questions yeah I don't know yeah to share knowledge I like your Latina counselor and your Latina wellness accounts because you do share knowledge and like I appreciate that you know I do apologize in advance if I don't like every single one of your posts uh (laughs) I'm very bad at that in social media like I'll look at it and I'll pause and I'll read it through and I'm like, oh, that was cool. But I'll forget to double tap, you know, <laughs> um, but I do try my best to like share it on my story. And, you know, I 
I've even gotten feedback on my story about like, oh, thanks for sharing this, the, this information, you know, they may not know who the account comes from, but you know, as cliche as it sounds like knowledge really is power, like not just spreading it, awareness, just like sharing on your story, um, having new followers, liking posts, making comments, like all those things are free support and the best way to support. And I think that sometimes people take that for granted, aka me. <laughs> and um, I want to stress that, you know, like I want to say that for those of you who are listening, like that is one of the best ways. Like number one, thank you for listening because that right there, it, all it takes is your time. It doesn't cost you anything. And it doesn't cost you anything to like, you know, follow our accounts or share this podcast or like share this knowledge that we're sharing, even if you don't um, share the podcast episode. So just like kind of, I guess, being kind to one another and just passing along this knowledge in hopes that it does help out somebody and somebody one day could come back to me and be like, hey, that one episode you did with Alina, like that helped me in some shape or form. Like that would <laughs> honestly be the best present ever. Um, what are some pieces of advice that I guess you would mm -hmm. offer to people who are starting something new or trying to pursue um, higher education? Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to start off with with uh, starting something new. So I, I developed the courage to start my Etsy account because my little sister, and I, so my, sister, my sister is 16 years old, my sister, she sells eyelashes on Instagram, and she started her Etsy account, okay? My sister, again, 16-year-old Latina, and... Um, you know, it's, it's bees beauty just to like, plug her. um, <laughs> but my sister, um, her entrepreneur entrepreneur spirit and her just like gung ho attitude, I'm going to do this regardless of anything, just really inspired and motivated me, you know, like, fuck, like she is 16 years old. I'm over here 20, 20, how I forget how old I am now. <laughs> I'm 27 years old and I'm over here wondering whether I should sell my excess, again, excess herbs, organic herbs. Um, and I was just like, how did you do it? Right. And I guess my feedback is to ask questions. It's like, mm. don't be afraid of what, of, don't be afraid to ask. Okay, because I know sometimes feelings can come up or insecurities of like, oh, I want to seem like I know everything and or like I, I want to seem put together. I don't want people to know um, that I don't know this or I don't want to be vulnerable. It's so important to ask questions because, listen, a closed mouth ain't going to be fed. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yep. And I think that that would be like my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. And even for folks that are, are looking to pursue higher education is, is inform yourself. Yeah. Same thing, same concept, right? Like inform yourself, see if this is going to be the best fit for you. Like, you know, for me, I, I decided to hold off on, on graduate school until I found the right one. I, I like I said, I, it wasn't until the third time that I, I, I found the right fit for me and I mean I had gotten in the second time but just I, I didn't go for it you know because it just didn't feel right so test your gut because a lot of the time you know you know what's what's for you and um I think that 
that we are the experts of our journey in our life. And, and it is important for us to make the best informed decisions based on whatever it is that we value, whether it's finances. I mean, for me, I decided to to try to apply to work for Sac State because that's where I go to school, you know, and I only pay half of my tuition now because I'm an employee there too. So for some of us that that wait and and do and do go into the field first before we get our master's degree, like there are some benefits too. So ask yourself, like, what are the things that I value and how can I make those goals attainable and a reality? Beautifully said. Beautiful, solid advice. I love it. Thank you, Alina, once again for, for you know, going on this journey with me for having this open and vulnerable conversation um i really hope that the listeners out there enjoy this thank you for having me enjoy everyone keep listening